Welcome to the Joyful Nourishment Podcast. This is a podcast about our relationship with food and eating, body image, eating disorder recovery, mental health, and more. I am your host, Lynn Thorstensen, a registered nutrition therapist and body image coach based in the West of Ireland. And I'm so glad that you're here. So this week, um, for episode three of season two of the Joyful Nourishment podcast, I am here with a solo episode today. And I wanted to do this. So last week, myself and my Substack pal, Christy Cooter, had a little online gathering talking about things like how to support um, ourselves through the holiday season, because this is often a time where there's a lot of challenges that come up. We are maybe spending more time with family than we normally do. We are surrounded by a lot of food all the time. There's a lot of food talk. And I think the food and body talk and what's called diet talk or also what's often called fat talk in the research tends to amplify this time of year. And one of the reasons I think that's happening is because Christmas or the holiday season from Thanksgiving um, if you're in the States and that's what you celebrate and also other religious holidays that are falling this time of the year are kind of like a legit reason to stuff your face a because there's a lot of food around and it's festivities and celebrations But I think the reason is even people who are not, you know, actively dieting or are in eating disorder recovery or trying to heal their relationship with food, like in the sort of general sense, the ether, there is this kind of loomingness that in January, because it's a new year and a new you, and this is when we're going to do all the things that we didn't get to do this year and it's a fresh start and all of that stuff. So there's like this looming sense of restriction in the air. And I think, and let me know what you think, that that also plays into how we navigate food um, and our relationship with food and how we're eating this time of the year in particular. Of course, there is also other times throughout the years where there is other big holiday events that are circling circling around or centering I should say around food which tends to follow up by a lead up to you know maybe people have dieted before um and then there's you know the the holiday season and then we just know that okay then there's another um diet that is coming after that so that's the kind of like the almost like the cultural anticipation of this that's kind of what I wanted to touch on today is like how do we navigate that for ourselves whether you're somebody who is in recovery from an eating disorder whether you are trying to heal your relationship with food um, and navigating disordered eating habits and like navigating out of that or if you're somebody who's supporting somebody who is struggling with a relationship with food or in recovery there's a lot of stuff we can do I think And what I also wanted to do today is to answer two listener questions that were sent in earlier and hoping that this is going to be helpful for you. Um, Yeah, and I suppose I always feel a little bit 
you know, on the spot when I'm recording these by myself. Um, it's so much easier having conversations with the guests. But I'm imagining here sitting down, maybe we're in a circle and that it's, you know, a sort of reciprocal relationship. And what was beautiful with the gathering that myself and Christy had was that it was an invitation to come together as a as a collective, as a few people talking about these things. Because, you know, until you are in a place where you're actively thinking about this, a lot of this is kind of like subconscious, it's normalized. So we don't think about that there's a problem with these things, like like a lot of things, right? It's like we have to become aware in order for things to change. So how do we handle diet talk? And like, what is it? Like if I'm saying, oh, okay, let's talk about how we can navigate diet talk through the holiday seasons. But it's like, what, what is it? What am I talking about when I'm using the word diet talk? So what we're talking about here really then is all the conversations that are happening around diets, the latest one, the one you've just come off, the one you're thinking about doing, the foods you're taking out, the planned restrictions, um, anything that has to do with any kind of diets. And I include kind of wellness diets in this too. So if you are somebody who is looking after your health and that includes maybe taking out some foods and that's working for you, that's all good. That's fine, right? If it comes from a place of self-care, um, then there's nothing wrong with that. And I do want to say, like, it's okay to not preach that to everyone else because we don't know how that's going to land for the person next to us. If they are navigating through a restrictive eating disorder, even just hearing somebody saying, well, I'm not, I've cut out dairy because it's, you know, it makes my digestive system feel so much better. That's fine. And for that other person, this might just reinforcing the de- eating disorder voice saying, well, you know, this this food is bad and we shouldn't have it. Whereas for that person, they might have absolutely no issues with dairy whatsoever. That's just an example. Um, any kind of conversations also that we're having around being good or bad with food or where we're saying, oh, you know, I'm just so bad for having this or you know, I'm, I have saved up all day to be able to eat this meal, um, or I'm having this piece of chocolate and then I'm going to work it off later or tomorrow I'll be good. And the thing with those comments are that they just, like, they just become so normalized. It's almost like a way that we're talking in this way to connect with other people. And what I have noticed is when I stopped engaging in this kind of talk is that it, it like sometimes it's like it can even be on the tip of my tongue, even though I know better and I know that it's not helpful. It's like, why do I even feel like I, I want to say that? Because I think it's like it's just everywhere. And the other thing I also find that can happen is like when you stop engaging in these things, it's that you realize how much people do engaging in these things. And it's like, what is there other things we can talk about? 
Um, so those are kind of part of uh, suggestions of what diet talk is. And of course, then there's body comments, commenting on other people's bodies. And <clears throat> this is sometimes, you know, that might be afflicted on you by quote unquote, well-meaning relatives. And I think this is something, again, that then will come up if we're having to spend a lot more time with family members, relatives, um, even colleagues that are prone to doing these things that we don't normally maybe would spend a lot of time around. And like I said, the what we call diet talk in everyday kind of terms is often called fat talk in the research. So I think it was Christy who mentioned on her blog Almost Sated, and by the way, she's running a challenge in December that ties into this around challenging ourselves to not engaging in diet talk and being aware of our own self-talk. And you can find her work on almostsated.com or on Substack. But in one of her recent articles, she was mentioning a researcher there and that had shown that if we're engaging in a lot of um, body comments and negative self-talk about our own bodies, it actually tends to affect our body image or that we people who do engaging that are more likely to have negative body image and that made me think because I wonder sometimes is that a chicken and an egg kind of situation that because we don't feel that good about our bodies we are kind of talking negatively towards ourselves and we are much more critical of what they look like because of the discomfort we have with them and then the more we're engaging in that talk, the worse we feel. So it's like a kind of a slippery slope. So, you know, maybe it's worth like really paying attention to the conversation we have with ourselves about our bodies and working on like maybe not engaging in it, even if we're not at a place where we particularly like what our bodies look like or how they feel even. Because maybe just by doing that, I'm just thinking out loud here, of course, might just help mitigate some of the compounding effect of then um, engaging in this um, fat talk towards ourselves. Yeah, and alongside that, actually, um, I read earlier this year Virginia Soul Smith's book, Fat Talk, Parenting, Parenting in the Age of Diet Culture, which I do want to write a review on and a more in-depth review and hopefully I will get to that one of these days but it was such an excellent read where she had where she went through a lengthy process of interviewing parents and children um often from the same families she looked she spoke with healthcare professionals and researchers around the impact of diet talk or fat talk and what was what I found fascinating and also very sad is that many of these stories that were shared in her book uh, mimicked a lot of things that I have heard from my own clients. You know, um, restricting food and kids binging on it because it was restricted or lots of, you know, quote unquote, well-meaning comments um, about young people's bodies and then that sort of having an effect in how they felt about themselves and put them on that track of dieting and and sometimes even developing a full-blown eating disorder so 
again, this isn't, um, it's not like a kind of a nice thing not to do. It can have really dire consequences. And the more of us, I think, that can not engage in diet talk, probably the more helpful for all of us overall. But let's then talk about if, you know, this is happening at your work party or your Christmas lunch with, you know, your work colleagues or, you know, when you're having the dinner um, or any other social gatherings over the next couple of weeks with family and you know that this is going to come up because, you know, um, Auntie Martha is always commenting on her body and other people's bodies and how that person gained weight or how this person looked amazing because they lost so much weight since the last time. Just all, all of this kind of bullshit, really. You might want some ideas if you don't have already. And if you do have some ideas, please share them with the rest of us so we can all um, help and support each other. But you know, like, how do we navigate that? So I have a couple of ideas. And again, sometimes this can be really helpful to role play with somebody if you're feeling a little bit unsure of how to set the boundaries. But you might want to just like not engage if it's coming up, just like staying silent, kind of, you know, that's of course easier if just a few other people, but this is you, you're just like, you just don't carry on the conversation. You just don't latch onto it. You don't comment on it. Um, that might be one way that it could help and just see if the person noticed, if they'll stop. Um, another one could be sort of redirecting the conversation, sort of saying, yeah, I, I'm not really that interested in what other people's bodies look like um, or what they look like or what their weight is doing. You know, oh, you know, tell me about a book you read lately or a movie you've been watching lately or, you know, what's happening at work or something just to like side, put the, the conversation in a different direction. Um, if you have a bit more capacity and, you know, or you really feel like, it, you you know, you're of zero tolerance for this, <clears throat> you might want to state that you're not interested in this clearly. Or you might set a strong boundary for this person. Like that is this house. We don't talk about diets. We don't comment on people's bodies. It's not something we engage in. And if you do have further capacity, it can be helpful to educate why. And if you are somebody who is supporting another person who is in recovery, you might want to do that to protect them. Um... And even like checking your own language to make sure that we're not we're not talking about food and body in this house other than maybe like how delicious the food is or if it's some practical stuff like can you serve this up or can you chop that or can you go to the shop and buy this ingredient or reading a recipe or something like very practical that has to do with food. But we're not talking about that this is good, good or bad or how we're trying to avoid that or cutting out this and all that sort of stuff. And finally, I think, you know, leave the room. Like if you get stuck in a conversation where this is all people are going on about or if it's just feeling really too much, just excuse yourself. Leave. Take a break. Do whatever you need to do to take care of yourself because 
you're worthy of that break I think you're worthy of that pause so you know please take care of yourself in all of this there's of course also like maybe broader conversation around food and eating and how we socialize and again I'm thinking here maybe more when it comes to like the actual situation around eating so say you're sitting down at the table for lunch with your friends and you you know again this somebody's commenting on the food on the plate or they're commenting on what's on your plate it's just you know um asking kindly but firmly to say you know can we please not comment on you know bodies or what people are eating or how people are eating or what auntie joe is doing or have been doing and just sort of you know say um yeah I'm not interested in having this conversation or redirect it again I just see if if that can be helpful and again I think one of the things that I spoke with Deirdre Redden on in the previous podcast episode episode two of season two was around this particular if we have family members who are struggling with a relationship with food to like not have any food and body talk absolutely not around the the table and around the dinner table so this is something to be aware of and I know that like I said earlier that gosh even I feel like I've been doing this work for a long time and I'm like I really should know better and once in a while even to my partner whatever like a frog jumps out of my mouth and I'm like definitely not proud of that but um just you know we have to be aware and kind of like just be kind and gentle with ourselves as we're navigating this and as we're learning to do better but again really watching out as well for the language that we use to speak towards ourselves our food choices and our bodies so let's just switch tact in so I wanted to leave you with um a kind of a practical tips as well when it comes to Um, just around the eating part and what I've noticed is that the episode I did on fullness and I linked back to that one in the show notes seems to have been a really popular one but and that's something kind of that touch that comes into this season as well if the food is plentiful and if we're feeling like oh there's so many nice things and how am I going to navigate this and I want to eat it all first of all I would say try to stick to your to your typical rhythm like eating regularly like watch out for any kind of desire or habits or behaviors that is you know starting to like restrict or cutting out meals and stuff in order to quote unquote save up for the bigger dinner because this is often what sets us up for overeating later so trying to just like eat like normal your breakfast lunch and dinner one of the things that I often do, and I might have said this in the other podcast episode, is that there's this sense of scarcity that often sets in. And when we know like the food is only available now and we're not going to be able to have it, and this is kind of part of then what's driving us to push past feeling like comfortably full or even a little bit uncomfortably full. And it's much easier to stop when we know we can have that food again. So if there's something that happened, particularly now over the holiday season where there's a lot of food available, um, 
Make make sure that you can put some aside away that you can have the leftovers the next day or that there is enough that it's okay to stop because you could have another mince pie later on today with a cup of tea or a cup of coffee or whatever it is um because it's not you're just not going to eat just that one for the whole holiday season and then they're gone again so that's just something to be aware of but Again, one of the things we can do when we arrive at the table is to take a mindful pause and to ground ourselves, to feel our feet on the floor, to feel our bum on the seat and to feel maybe our back being supported by the chair we're sitting on. So just to feel and notice that support, that it's there and checking in with ourselves if we have if to have the space and capacity to see maybe there's you're at the buffet like what do you really want to eat what's calling to you um and maybe there's different food choices maybe there's a lot of food put in front of you and just notice okay eat what you want and check in throughout the meal and knowing that you know if you need to eat more that's fine if you're not satisfied that's okay and also like checking in with yourself and notice when you start feeling full and when you're, you know, maybe you want to keep eating for another bit because it tastes really good. But also noticing that it's okay then to stop when you've had enough, even if there's more food on the plate, there's more food that, you know, you would love to eat because your taste buds are still excited. And just in that, if that's you, then reminding yourself that the... Um, food is available again put some aside so you can have some leftovers later when you get hungry again because of course you're going to get hungry again that's how bodies work and I think if you're somebody who's more in the restrictive spectrum making sure that if it's all difficult to eat and sit down with families and and making sure that you're eating enough have a conversation with the person you're working with, supporting you with a meal plan or your therapist and making sure that there's other alternatives. If that kind of meal feels overwhelming, that there's other ways to make sure that you're still getting an adequate food intake throughout the day so that it doesn't become a way of sort of certainly restricting and it means that you're not getting enough food and that's not helpful for your recovery. So um, just checking in on, on those things, I think is helpful and just feeling the support of the ground and the chair you're sitting on and just leaning into that and knowing that you're supported. It also helps taking this pause also maybe helps our nervous system relax a little bit more and our bodies relax a little bit more. It may not always be possible, and this again is something that you can bring into, you know, practice away from overwhelming um, social situations that involves food. But often if our bodies and nervous systems are a bit more relaxed, it's easier for our bodies to receive and digest the food as well. So I'm hoping that that's helpful. And yeah, I am careful giving out some sort of general advice too, because I don't know you, I'm not your nutritionist. Um, but I'm trying to think about things that could be just generally helpful. And if it's not, just forget about it. Leave it. Please make sure that you 
are doing something that feels good and aligned for you. So I had two questions from some listeners that I wanted to try and answer. And the first one was like the challenges around this time of year when everybody around them is talking about being good or bad and how they're going to, you know, cut this out or eating this even though they feel a bit guilty about it. And I think here for me would be to remember that to check in what's aligned for you. And it's kind of almost like, can you stay in your own lane? Can you put a bit of blinkers on or earphones on and kind of remember why are you not feeding into that? Why are you not, are you trying to think about food as morally neutral instead of this good and bad dichotomy? And that you are not a good person or a bad person depending on what foods you're eating. The food is morally neutral. It might have different nutrition profiles and nutrition values, but it doesn't hold morality because when it doesn't hold morality, there's nothing to internalize. It's like, do I like this? Don't I like it? Is it what I want? Is it available? Does it fill me up? Does it give me pleasure? All of those things are available to us from all foods. Um, when we look at it as morally neutral whereas when we are holding on to this good and bad stuff we internalize that that if I'm eating this kind of food then I'm really good and virtuous and if I'm eating something that is like bad bucket then that is affecting how I'm feeling I'm like I'm feeling bad and I'm feeling guilty or maybe even shameful but if all food is morally neutral what's there to be feeling shamed about or feeling guilty about right you're not doing anything wrong it's food and then from there so of course you know if this is happening all the time and like coming back to where we just talked about earlier it's like setting some boundaries and say look I'm not interested in in having discussions or conversations or comments around any comments on food or what somebody's eating or not eating um so you know, setting a boundary or walking away or trying to navigate that, but also remember for yourself that all foods are morally neutral. So there's nothing to feel guilty about no matter what foods you're choosing to eat. And it's like asking yourself, what feels good? What tastes good? What do I want? What's available? And what's a good match, right? So I'm hoping that that's helpful. And yeah, it is hard and there is, I think, like we said before, there is way more of this going on this time of the year because of January looming again, which is like the peak of dieting, I think, for the whole year. Um, so do protect yourself, like make sure you're limited and go and spend some time online or if you have in-person friends that this isn't a thing, like try to just like Mitigated by spending more time in anti-diet or non-diet spaces. Um, yeah. Um, and weight-inclusive spaces to try to get some other feedback and being in a different environment if this is a lot of it is around you. But trying to setting a ba- set a boundary as well um, and just ask people from refraining from those kind of comments around you might be helpful. 
So the other question that I got was around hating how I look this time of the year this time of the year and not really wanting to go out and how this is sort of like always feeling like their body image and their how they feel about their body is much lower this time of the year. So I had to think about this and A, I wonder if there's something else going on this time of the year because often we project to our bodies feelings we don't have names for. So our bodies become this container for sensations that maybe we can't name. So we we might feel uncomfortable um, that could be physically and emotionally and maybe we don't know exactly what it is we're feeling so we're just feeling uncomfortable or we're feeling fat or we don't like what we look like or what our body is behaving um, and but it becomes kind of a, a place for this internal discomfort to land that then makes it tangible because maybe this is bringing up stronger desires for fixing our bodies or changing it so my question is when you're feeling like that your body image is low is it because you're feeling some kind of physical emotional discomfort um is there other things going on is there a lot of comparison with what people seem to be doing online i just noticed that and i think challenging these thoughts how true is that do we know everything that we see online is that the truth and even if people are not like purposely manipulating us it's only one little snapshot into a window of a picture or a reel or a little video and we cannot see what's outside of that square so that's kind of one way to go with that and just checking in like what do you think you need you know do you need rest do you need more comfortable clothes do you need to put something on that makes you feel really good because clothes and how we dress sometimes I do think can make us feel more empowered or less empowered particularly if the clothes don't fit well or if they're tight or uncomfortable or rub in some way um and clothes that makes us feel like ourselves like clothes is a great way of expressing ourselves um but you know, so that's, that's, that may be something else to think about. And I think it's important to remember as well that even if we have low body image and we don't like what our bodies look like or we don't feel comfortable, it's also important to remember that food is a necessity for life. So we still need to eat regularly. Um, we need to rest. We need sleep. Um, movement, if that is accessible and in ways that feels good. And then the larger thing that came out, that stood out for me for this question, and it may be uh, relevant to this listener or might might not be, is to kind of checking in to, is there like, if you zoom out, is there things that you want to say yes to? And if so, is there stuff that's getting in the way of that? And is there things that you actually want to say no to? Like some of us are more introverted some of us are more extroverted and just checking in like do you need to push yourself to actually go out and enjoy um even if your body image isn't feeling that great to hang out with the friends and the people that you love and care about and that loves you back 
and that's going to be a good time even if you didn't feel kind of that motivated to go in first in the first place and there maybe there's other events and opportunities where you feel like yeah do you know what I actually don't want to hang out with those people and the kindest thing you can do is to say no and not go and mind your energy and taking take care of yourself so checking in to where where is saying yes actually really nourishing and where is saying no the most nourishing and that can look the same on from the outside but you will know what is feeling aligned so there's one question that I want to leave with you to ponder reflect on journal on over the next couple of weeks and that is thinking about what it might be like if you're not starting a new diet in January and if you're not starting a new diet in January or thinking about starting a new diet in January how might this actually have an impact on how you're eating over the coming weeks? Just being curious about that and feel free to share. If you're listening to this on Substack, you can comment uh, in the comment section. If you want to email me back with some thoughts, I would love to read them. Um, but yeah, how, how would that be? And maybe this is not applicable to you whatsoever. Maybe you are well into your recovery or well into your divesting from diet culture journey and you've been doing this for several years and it's like, I have no I no intention whatsoever to do another diet in January. But if you're new to this and you're kind of sitting in that space of, I really do want my relationship to food to be better, um but I still want to lose weight then maybe just have some take some time to think about this what comes up like when you're exploring the idea of doing another diet is it excitement is it kind of fear or dread and how does that affect your food um, and your eating just to be really curious about that um, and if you're somebody in this in the smack bang middle of recovering from an eating disorder I see you and I really wish you the very best of navigating a quite tough season um, where there's so much food around and so much choice and so much other stuff that goes on and family dynamics and things that makes might make this much more challenging than what it has to be or what it is um, other times of the year so just do keep do keep going. Um, and just what I want to say, I want to say thank you to everyone who's been listening so far on the release of this podcast, which launched back in August. It has had way over 800 downloads so far, which is amazing. I am not taking on any new clients now until January. But if you are interested, you can still book in for a discovery call right up until the 22nd of December. And final words, if you want to get some support and you're not signed up to my newsletter list, you can do that on the link below. And what else do I want to say? Yes, the podcast then will be back on the 29th of December with another brilliant guest episode that I can't wait to share with you. But in the meantime, happy holiday season and I hope you get rest, movement, joy and nourishment in whatever form is is good for you and thanks 
again for being here. It's so appreciated. Thanks for listening. The Joyful Nourishment podcast is produced with no financial backing and your support means a lot to keep this project going. If this episode has been helpful in any way, please consider liking, subscribing or leaving a five-star review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. This helps the podcast to be found by others. And of course, you can also forward this episode to a friend whom you think may benefit. Find out more about what I offer on straightforwardnutrition.com and if you're interested in working with me, please use the link in the show notes to book in for a free initial 30-minute session. And finally, please come and join the Joyful Nourishment community over on Substack unless you're there already by subscribing to my newsletter using the link below.